Welcome to the Rogue Tailboard Podcast, where firemen are fired up and minimal is unacceptable. Brother Matt, good morning. Hey, good morning, Chris. How you doing today? Oh, doing great. How about you? Doing pretty good. I got half my football team up, so kind of helped get them situated, a little bit of breakfast, and uh, my <laughs> wife is kindly watching cartoons with them while, while we get after this this morning. Yeah, I'm saying my wife's got my small army out in the yard playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good. Well, I know that Florida weather's got to be pretty good. It's nice, man. You know, uh, really humid right now, but um, I love taking advantage of those times, too. Um, oh, I agree. It's We probably we get, get a about, month of cold out of the year. Yeah, no, we, get, we all joke about a two-week winter here in Texas. We don't really get that. <laughs> exactly. So, well, man, for uh, first off, thank you for coming on. Uh, for everyone listening, this is Brother Matt McGee. He's a fireman out of the Florida area and just very, very passionate man, very humble man. If you, anyone that knows him can't speak highly enough of him. And I've got the pleasure of meeting him through some mutual friends. And uh, this man has really helped influence and inspire me in a lot of things in my career and my personal growth. And so I just want to thank you for coming on, Matt, and just sharing your story. I've had a lot of people excited about this one, buddy. Oh, it's an honor to be here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, man? Uh, well, <clears throat> um, been in the fire service for about 18 years now. Um, when... Uh, when I got into high school, I went uh, right into college and I was on track to go to chiropractic school. And honestly, I wasn't in love with that direction for my life, mm-hmm. um, but I was on that path. So, uh, but my grandfather, my uncle and cousin all worked for city of Miami. And um, I heard great stories from my uncle growing up. And um, so that career path had always been in the back of my mind. I could just never afford back then to go to the fire academy it cost six thousand dollars back then i have no idea what it costs now but um and uh when my grandmother passed away um she left me six thousand dollars and that was all the signs i needed to tell me it was that? the right time to to do it and uh, that was about two years into college so I, I had my aa degree um and that was 2003 i got hired into my first department um and been on the job since since uh, January of 2004, so a little over 18 years. I work uh, wow. for Orlando Fire Department. I'm an engineer paramedic there. Nice. And that's the same department you've been with, I'm assuming, or was there another one you started uh, I worked off for? With? I worked for Osceola County Fire Rescue for four and a half years. Okay. And I've been with Orlando since then. Nice. Now, I've lived in Orlando. I was a, about a fifth grade, sixth grade when I moved out of there. But, uh, yeah, that's man, what that's you were saying. Yeah, it's a busy town, but I can only imagine the fire service life in that town because it's every, everyone knows about Orlando, you know. But I'm just <laughs> curious the, the fire side of it. Are, are y'all as busy as the town is? I mean, how's that go? Yeah, it's it's busy. Um, <clears throat> you know, it has its pockets, uh, but it, it's I mean, it's it's really picking up even in the slower areas that you know historically have been slower. Um, yeah. The uh, there's some stations, you know, close to like Universal and and all that stuff. It's, it's extremely busy like downtown area, of course. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. As far, as far as fire goes, we get our fair share. Nice. Yeah. I was always curious about the, uh, 
the ones that have to cover that whole entertainment district there because that's that's mm-hmm. a lot and it's yeah, always jam packed. A few million people a year come through there. That's crazy. So, and they just stack them up, you know, in the hotels. Oh. <laughs> yeah, high rise city. <laughs> There's a lot of diversity, you know. I, that's got to be fun though, and probably poses a nice challenge with that. Yeah, it definitely so. does for sure. Well, good deal, man. The you know, we're both we're both men of faith, as we've discussed in our previous conversations together. And I think that's a, a good thing we have in our relationship is we're able to bounce that off of one another and keep ourselves accountable with our walk. But uh, we talked a little bit about your testimony. And if you would mind sharing it, I think there's a lot of other people out there that would really appreciate that. And it might even plant a seed for those that wanting to invite Christ into his life. So kind of want to dive in that right now, if that's okay with you and just ask about Absolutely. your testimony, you know, how'd you come to know Christ and you know, how has your current relationship impacted you in your life and in your fire service life? Well, my first marriage, I grew really close to my father-in-law and my brother-in-law. Um, mm-hmm. It was my father-in-law that helped really guide me in my faith. Um, he took, it took a while to really gain a grasp on what it was I was experiencing in my soul. Okay. But eventually it became more and more clear to me. Uh, it's, it's hard in the beginning because most people of faith use Christianese <laughs> when, yeah. when they talk with you about it, you know, they'd mm-hmm. say things that I'd never heard before, like saved by the blood of the lamb and keep a hedge of protection around you. And yeah, you know, to a new believer, doesn't really mean much to them yet you know and so i had no idea what that meant Uh, but now i look back and at that and i really think we can do a lot better at talking to new believers without hitting them over the head with bible verses and phrases um yes i I think because i started in a southern independent baptist church so I don't know if you're familiar with that, but you know, it's a fundamentalist in a ba- independent Baptist church. So they are very, you know, uh, over hit, hit you over the head with it. Um, not that there's anything against it. Some people love that and that's great. But for me, it just, um, it was really close it, to turning me away from the faith. Uh, yeah. It can't you know, be aggressive to a new believer for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but anyway, so uh, they, you got to be careful. I think we can do a better job at it. You got to be careful how you approach people about it um, because they just won't get it. You know, you got to plant that seed very carefully in their heart. Um, And you have to break it down into terms that they'll be able to grasp. Uh, Crawl, walk, run mentality, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that one, man. And kind of to your point, growing up, church was in my life but it wasn't a heavy influence like we'd go on easter we go on christmas um you know both my parents raised me very well and it was honestly during my middle school era that i started to learn about this young life it's a group out here i don't know if it's nationwide or not but it's where Mm -hmm. high schoolers the middle schoolers can meet after school at uh this pastor's house the overseer of the group and we'd have a little acoustic guitar time. Then we he would, you know, to pick a topic and speak to the high schoolers or the students about it. And we were just fellowship, and we weren't all from the same school, so that was the cool part about it. So it was a community kind of get together. 
I really, yeah. really intrigued that. And um, I was always kind of dabbled into it, but it wasn't until my, my later years uh, that I knew that I was really going to come to know Christ. So he's always kind of dropped the seeds like you're saying. And you know, I won't forget his name was Tommy, but he helped play a key instrumental role in that and just being that Christ-like guy, just being very kind, um, showing what true love is, showing true compassion, and really just being there. And he would answer questions you had, but he wouldn't press it, if that makes kind of like mm-hmm. what you're talking about. And I, I appreciate that. And it helped for me. And But it, it was uh, God's time on when he was going to call me to truly get to know him. I just didn't know that at the time until looking back on it. How do you think Christ has impacted your life? Hey, I'm asking questions here, sir. No, that was <laughs> no, that was a that's a really really awesome question though, man, because he's tremendously impacted me. He, um, like I said, I, I've always kind of known of him, but I didn't know him, and yeah. I did go through a very bad heartbreak as a high schooler. It was a girl I was head over heels with, all in for. Her. I mean, I was, she was eating up all my time, and I wanted it that way. Well, about two years into it, it's kind of a story to lead up to your question. Uh, about two years into it, she said that she wanted to see other people. She wanted to make sure that this was real and this is what she wanted. Well, it uh, it hurt me. Heart got me definitely very heartbroken, depressed, and I really couldn't recover from it. I went down the party stage, uh, never really got out of it, and I ended up going to county jail for a little stint of time. And that's where I really realized, okay, got it. I'm. I've been not listening to you. I've not been obedient. And um, I asked him into my life there, honestly, with my cellmate, as odd as that sounds. And I never, never saw that cellmate again. He just played a a pivotal role. So it's just cool to see how God can use anybody. And it's like, after I asked him into my, my life on a sincere note, I just felt just this big burden lifted off my shoulders. And Like I said, though, after that, he he was gone. The guy was gone. Never saw him again. I don't even know his story. So it was just one of those things. And then he showed me how to live, but he showed me how to live through his word. And I have to stay in obedience with him. And, you know, we're preached that in the Bible a lot. So once we actually start to follow what he wants us to do and portray and to be Christ-like and just obey him and walk with him, the more he's going to open up doors for you that will never seem possible. And Absolutely. this is not a, a braggy moment, but a man that's only three years into his fire service career and to have the opportunities and earnings that I have, I believe is an immediate testimony to God for just that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I've been told I'm doing things that most firemen don't get to see until they're like several years, 10 years plus into their service. And I don't take that for granted. You know, I give all the credit to God for that. And so Absolutely. he has, absolutely impacted me he's allowed me to try and be that example even to my immediate crew in our, you know my crew we we pray before every meals i've been dubbed the prayer warrior though they, they snow you ready to bless the meal okay any mm-hmm. other volunteers though so and it it does show and it it does give you a better impact as your outlook in life you really start to and i think you can testify to this too We've learned through our line of work that life is so, so uh, short, I guess, is the best word. Because we want to take, we always expect tomorrow, 
but then we see a lot of people who thought they were going to see tomorrow that never did. Yeah. And so it's just my biggest concern with those calls is where was their heart before they passed? Mm -hmm. And that's one of my things, but, uh, but no, I think he's definitely had a huge impact in my life because I see his work now. I've learned to listen to him and it yeah. can be tough, but you got to stay disciplined on that. So thank you. Thank you for asking that question, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I, you know, to, to go off of what I asked you, I, I have to say that the biggest thing that I've gained out of this relationship with him is besides my salvation is that I no longer fear anything. Amen to that. Um, what I mean by that, too, is I don't fear death yes. because I already know where I'm going in the end and mm -hmm. who paid the price so that I don't have to fear. Christ paid that price, so I don't have to fear death. He defeated it. Um, uh, and there's so much freedom that is gained in your soul when that weight of fear of death and sin is no longer a factor. Uh, sure, we don't we don't want to leave our family and loved ones behind without us. So we're careful and purposeful in what we do. But in the grand scheme of eternity, this life is over in the blink of an eye. Um, so when I look at when I look at it that way, it literally makes me smile in the face of anything in front of me. I will go toe to toe with anyone or anything because of that mentality. That's how I'm hardwired to think. When my back's against the wall, that's when I push push forward. Man, that's – do you think you could have had that same outlook if Christ was not in your life? It's hard to say. Uh, thinking back on the path I was on before, I was, I was younger. I was in my 20, early 20s, so it's, it's really hard to say that – uh, I would have that I would have been uh, on the same path. I, I really don't think I would, to be honest with you. Yeah, I just thought that statement because man, it, it is very powerful. And to your point, I have learned that God is with me, me, and that's not in a, a boastful scripture. I know a lot of people might be able to misinterpret that sometimes or have it an ego booster, but. If anything, that's more of a, a confident and comfort booster when absolutely I is hard times in front of me. And there, there's been some sketchy structure fires I've entered into. Don't get me wrong, but it was definitely doable. Um, it I've learned that a lot of them usually work, look worse than they really are. And so mm -hmm. before I even go through the opening we're about to go through to start suppressing, I just, God, you're with me, you know, and, and I said, you you know, guide my hands. This, this, this is you. I'm about to do your work. And I just put all my trust in that. And so it, it does, it has helped me. I'll put it that way. You know, even, even on some of these rough pin jobs that we catch where mm. it just looks like Holt got mad and crumbled up a car and threw him a mile down the road. And that person's still alive in there. And it's a meticulate puzzle game that you got to play, so to say. And, you know, just, just guide my hands. And I don't think, I don't think I would have the confidence I do now, honestly, if I didn't have Christ. I would, I couldn't even put myself in those shoes anymore just because those are shoes I don't want to wear. But uh, I really like what you said there, man. That was a really awesome, awesome thought on that. Me too. Me too. You know, kind of along those same lines, you know, we, we shared stories and 
you said you wanted to bring it up, so I'll let you at your discretion how you want to uh, kind of facilitate the answer to this question. But you once told me that your current wife is a, a godsend and saved you. And that's that's my story, too, man. My wife, she did save me. I share my first and then. So, um, Ashley, I met her when I was doing part time between construction work and it wasn't really cutting it, but I was good at it and it was paying decent. And at that time, the jobs were just starting to get a little slim and I still needed provision. So I like rock and roll and there's a kind of rock and roll bar club in the area. So I'll, I'll just try bouncing for them, you know, in between trying to get these construction jobs. And then they said, Hey man, uh, you want to try this bartending thing? They, they make a lot more money and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. I'll give it a go. And we, I was, I was making about two fifty a night working about four, four nights a week. So that wasn't too terribly bad. And then, um, I just one Thursday night on our, our slower nights, I just see this beautiful woman come in. And at this time in my life, I've been separated from my current wife. Uh, she, she was notorious for leaving every two or three months with my kiddos and saying that she was just tired of things and she'd come back. And it was, it was very toxic more or less. And there was a lot after the fact when we were divorced that, uh, came to light, you know, she was, Definitely window shopping a lot throughout the whole time, if that makes it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely seeing how it is on other fences while trying to provide she could stay home with our kiddos. And it was tough. We were just strangers living in a household, and it was very uh, emotionally and mentally abusing. At the same time, I'm comfortable sharing that because it, it can happen to even the biggest, burliest of your men. But I just, mm-hmm. I wouldn't. But yeah, as weird as it was, I said, Jesus didn't give up on me. I'm not going to give up on you. And I I did not. So she ended up commit to the divorce. Um, little side note, the guy that helped get her stuff out of the apartment with her stepdad and mom was um, it might, was led to believe to me that it was her stepdad's like working hand. We'll come to find out that's the guy that she's been she wanted to call the horse office. So, and, uh, that's rough. I'm not going to lie to you there, man. I was going through a pretty bad toxic divorce. Uh, that was not the right environment, especially. I definitely dove into drinking pretty hard. And um, like I said, one, throughout all this, this one thing, she just walks in. She's, as weird as it sounds, she just had this glow about her you don't belong here. You know, in my head, that's what I'm sitting there thinking. I said, you, you don't belong here. Mm-hmm. And little by little, she started, you know, cutting eyes at me. And then we started talking. And then uh, once we actually linked up and I told her my whole story with everything, we've just been inseparable ever since. And come to find out she too was going through a very rebellious stage in her life. Um, she's a pastor's daughter and she was tired of that suppression, kind of like what we were talking about earlier. And just mm-hmm. beating, beating over the head over it. So she just kind of wanted a break from that, I guess. Best words to yeah. say that. And um, so when we found each other, we were at our lowest of lows. But then she invited me to her church. And I kid you not, the sermon that night was over divorce, 
um, adultery and stuff like that, and how there's certain reasons that divorces are acceptable in, in God's eyes, you know, according to how the pastor was describing it. And I'm just, we're like two rows from the, the pulpit. And I'm just bawling. And I know the pastor saw it. And I think it fired him up even more because he kept just going and going and going. And so uh, the rest is pretty much history from there. And my walk with Christ since then has strengthened. Yeah. I was not where he wanted me. And there is a lot of internal and hard lessons in life throughout the time because I wasn't truly obedient. You know, we, I learned him. We gathered a relationship. Life was good. And I kind of put him on a shelf, so to say. And it wasn't until this point in my life that I realized he was never there. I was the one actually running away from him. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's how my wife saved me, man, because about to have to be real bad for if yeah. if something didn't change pretty quick. Well, it's a good story, man. Good testimony. It's that one. So uh, um, you said you. Well, yeah, um, because my. <clears throat> My kids, I have teenage kids uh, who may end up hearing this podcast someday. I don't right. want to uh, go into all the details yet of why my first marriage ended. If any, any of you know me, you know my story um, and you know what I really went through. Uh, and if you want to know, just contact me and we can talk about it. But um, I'll save that uh, for them when they're adults and I can have that talk with them personally. But uh, that being said, I'll just say that uh, just like everything I do. Did I lose you? All right, Sam, I think we lost a little bit of connection. We'll get him back on here in just a second. Well, I don't think uh, <laughs> that was not on purpose or anything yeah <laughs> but, that's uh, crazy it was man yeah before we got on i said hey if we ever lose connection no worries we're going to stop we'll, we'll roll again with it so i think that's uh definitely god's way of saying let, let's switch gears here and um you did say though that through this i developed this newly reborn ambition to find something really challenging and do you just want to kind of tie that into our next segment i mean i i'm gonna i'm gonna continue if you don't mind okay. um uh, I'm good with it. Um, okay. I think uh, that being said, uh, you know, I'll just say that like everything I do, I put it my all into that marriage, and mm -hmm. how it how it uh, it ended took my soul for a time. And I, I think I need to talk about this because there may be somebody out there that I feel can relate, and, and maybe you know you're not that. you're not just the only one, man. You know, or female. You know, it could be anybody. Right. Um, for me at that point, the loyalty was lost and I became lost too. Mm -hmm. And I forgot about my faith. I fell into depression and the pizza boxes and beer cans started to mount up in my new little one bedroom apartment. <laughs> and, yes. uh, during this time I lost my ambition for the fire service. I lost and for life. And I didn't seek out 
the challenges like I did before, I was really in a dark place. And then by chance encounter, I met my current wife and she literally pulled me out of that pit and gave me new life. Um, she showed me what true love really is and helped me find my ambition again and pushed me to constantly better myself. So if you are that person for somebody else that you are pulling them out of that pit, just just realize you you have the opportunity to change somebody's life. Um, yes. Just want to add that. But uh, I had really I had already been through hell and back and now I was focused again. And through this, I developed this newly reborn ambition to find something really challenging. And that's when the Florida Smoke Diver program first appeared on my radar. Nice. Yeah. So how do you? So how did it appear? Because uh, I know it's a little, little different kind of mm -hmm. curriculum criteria than your Georgia, Indiana, and Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken. So how'd that come about? How'd you get introduced to that? Actually, it was uh, Basil uh, Ibrahim. He's uh, he texted me one day and was like, "Hey, man, we need to do this this class." And I looked into it, and there wasn't really any information on it. Uh, YouTube, there's a couple of like short, like 20 second videos. So there wasn't like really, it was kind of a mystery. And mm -hmm. I started doing research into it, finding out about the class and uh, figuring out what it was all about and, you know, its roots, how it came, came about in the seventies and why it got shut down and why it was back and what they were doing out there. And I was really impressed and wanted to you know, it was, it was something that was challenging for me. Nice. Um, uh, and I, I wanted to give it a shot. So would, were you doing gotta, any kind of, go ahead, but I just say, I got to give a lot of credit to this program because it had such a deep meaning to me and mm -hmm. what I gained from it after the process and through the process, um, along with my wife now who I've been with for eight years now, Smoke Diver has become the most pivotal moment in my life because of its significance in bringing me back, mm. bringing back that drive uh, and ambition in my life. Nice. Kind of gave you a sense of purpose again, maybe? Absolutely. You know, I signed up for not knowing much about anything about the class. You know, I didn't yeah. have anyone who knew the course outline or how to train for it. Uh, and that was half of the thrill for it, for, of it, for me at that point, uh, mm -hmm. I set out full steam ahead, started training for the entrance test, which was the only part I really knew about because of the syllabus that they sent right. out after you, uh, you know, sent in your interest card, uh, in the process of training for it, I started to realize that the pain and absolute torture I was putting <laughs> myself through was was actually callousing my mind and hardening my soul and hardening my soul in a good way. Yes. Uh, through this process of training, I was becoming more resilient than I ever had been. Uh, I never wanted to be broken like I was again through that divorce. Um, and this, then I got into the class and it rocked my world. <laughs> um, first of all, I don't care who you are. No one ever crushes it in any smoke diver program. Uh, right. I was doing well, but it really, it was really the first time I'd ever been tested like this. 
Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of luck involved in a class like this too. And I got really unlucky. I got a stomach <laughs> bug the first day I was there. Lost, I think it was 10 or 12 pounds by the end of the first day and just couldn't keep anything down. I was, I was weighing less than, than I had since high school. It was, it was pretty bad. Uh, I just kept losing weight. And by the third day, my body was so dehydrated. I just couldn't regulate the heat anymore. And I mm -hmm. ended up having a heat stroke in one of the tougher evolutions in the class. Woke up in the hospital about 45 minutes later, surrounded by doctors and nurses. And that was a, another pivotal moment for me because it was, ironically, the first time I felt alive in a long time. I know it sounds sick, but <laughs> that's, no, I, I, it was, that. you know, and it, it took me close to six months to be able to regulate my body temperature again to the heat stroke. But I became so focused and determined after that, that I started training again for the next class, which only happens once a year. Mm -hmm. uh, the next class I ran out of air in an evolution, learned a ton from that, you know, and uh, had to regroup again. By the third attempt, I was completely dialed in. Uh, what I gained from the entire experience of training, the sacrificing, not just for me, but for my family, sacrificing time with me so I could train, the blood and sweat uh, was something that changed me for the better and set my path to find more and more challenges like this along the way. And of course, I went on to complete Georgia Flames program, and then most recently the Indiana Smoke Diver program. Nice man, I definitely want to dive into those. And uh, this hearing what you're saying there with the the reattempts, and you know, I got a brother Garrett Rose. He's out of Little Elm area. He just recently graduated Oklahoma smoke mm -hmm. diver program. And when we were going to a new member orientation for our our task force. He, uh, I was asking him about it because I'm very intrigued. It's, uh, it's definitely on my, my bucket list of going. I was always told to prepare for it. And then Brother Don Sapp on this latest episode of The Scrap said, take this. He said, he even told you this too, is take a year to prepare for this. And that really put mm -hmm. the significance into play. And so that tells me I'm, I'm at least on the right track of that. I'm, I'm taking, I want to take 2022 to physically and mentally harden myself to this six day program. And he told me his motivation, Garrett, this is, he said, Snow, I was either going to leave in a black hoodie or I was going to leave in a hospital stretcher. Those are my <laughs> only two options. And he said, I was pushed to the hospital stretcher a couple of times, but the man grinded it out and he rightfully earned that, that black hoodie and became a part of that brotherhood. So hats off to Garrett on that. But, uh, but no, that mentality that he had, you know, that's, that's one that, a lot of people want to talk about, but I don't know if they truly embrace it or even push themselves just on their own accord and on their own time to see what that breaking point is. Because when you're by yourself, you can try and get there, but then you can easily talk yourself out of it. Absolutely. And if you don't, if you don't visit that every so often mm -hmm. before you're even in a group setting where that's almost required, yeah. it's going to be challenging. I bet beyond all belief. So, yeah. Absolutely. so what's, what is what makes Florida smoke diver you know different than the other ones? Um, I'd say you know smoke diver is a crazy thing, man. You you can never count someone in or out of one of these programs. Okay. I've seen CrossFit beasts 
start off good and they find their limits early on in the week. Um, mm -hmm. Being in that gear for months leading up to the program is essential to being successful. If your body is not adapted to the heat of doing heavy amounts of work while in gear and you are not conditioned mentally to push through that, then you will not fare well right off the bat. Um, now, Florida's program, it's a test, mentally and physically. It's about grit. Um, they will get you to your limit and help you push past those preconceived limits. In that program, you also learn key survival skills that will be ingrained in you so that when or if that worst case moment comes, it's instinctive. Mm -hmm. The skills you will learn have to become instinctive. And they will teach you how to rely on that instinct and not be reactionary. Nice. And Indiana's program is different. Uh, it's now Indiana, it's absolutely a test. Uh, did you want to go into that one? Yeah, definitely. Do you want to I'll talk more about, about it? Okay. Okay. Indiana's absolutely a test. Um, as well with some differences that I noticed for one, there is a lot more running, which I'm not a runner. So that, that was very challenging for me personally. Uh, mm -hmm. but one of the biggest things I took note of was the, the growth in newly gained experience from firefighters who were in the class, but were still fairly new to the fire service in general. I mm -hmm. saw how these firefighters went in from not being able to complete an evolution to figuring out their mistakes, getting back in there and overcoming their previous failure on that particular evolution or skill. That opportunity for growth right there is huge. You could yeah. physically see the change in their demeanor and their mentality after successfully completing each evolution and skill station. And it sticks to with just them. Yeah, absolutely. For the rest of their career, that that is such a, uh, an, a an experience that you just can't replace. And that um, should just being able to complete the PT, then the O course and the subsequent three to four mile run each morning for six days straight in extreme cold is enough to change somebody, let alone all of the evolutions and the other aspects you gain from training for a class like this. It's just, it's a beautiful process, man. Uh, from the moment you start to prepare to the moment you tow that line on the PT field, it mm -hmm. changes you forever. Nice, man. And that's, and then, I'm hearing more yeah. and more of those testimonies too, to what you're saying from those that have completed the program and, it's it's just awesome to see how y'all come together like that. It's definitely something I want to be a part of, and not necessarily for the camaraderie part, but I want to find myself. I really want to see my limits, and I'm learning a lot about my age. So I'm I'm sharing this for any others that are aspiring to do the same. Really, really go to those dark spots on your own time out here while you had the opportunity to, so it's not foreign to you. That's just something I was told and that's something I'm trying to work on too. You know, and I think you really touched on it well with, I haven't experienced it, so I really can't do it any justice, but the mental callousing of the mind, how, how did you do that? Or how are you doing that? So for me, it's, it's really just pushing past moments of failure. <clears throat> and uh, it's, it's multiple 
workouts where you know you 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 get to that wall and you got to find the door kick that door open and keep going um that that is ultimately what uh will get you mentally tough um it's really being in that gear is is so essential for a class like that because you're going to be in that gear the entire week for 10 12 hours and it's uh, not fresh gear either you got to think about it it's going to be damp from your sweat and everything else it's oh exactly exactly and then there's nothing like waking up in the morning going starting the next day in 10 degree weather with sweaty gear from the day before and it's ice cold so yeah. bring extra sets of gear <laughs> uh that 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 one's free uh, <laughs> uh, but uh yeah i would that's what i would say man is it's really it's really just about you know this this workout that everybody's been doing lately you guys are, have dubbed it the mcgee but uh, <laughs> it's really it's it's a culmination of what i put together based off of what others uh had expressed to me was um the focus of PT at Indiana Smoke Diver. And uh, it's just, it's a simple, simple workout. It doesn't have to be complicated to be effective. You know, we talked about that. It's just yeah. up, downs, jumping jacks, mountain climbers, and push ups. And being mm -hmm. in gear, full gear, on air, you don't even have to be on there. But being in full gear with a mask changes that workout quite a bit. Everything. And, uh, you know, it's, that workout if you are able to push yourself mentally through something like that to when when you get done with a particular movement up downs or whatever you just get up and you go into the next movement you don't sit there put your hands on your knees yeah it's going to happen but you try not to do that you right. just go right into the next movement you do the reps you get up and you go to the next movement that is that alone pushing yourself to get up and move that is huge and, and that will help forge that mentality and that um that drive to keep pushing forward and that's what you will need when you're in a class like this and i can firsthand speak on that listeners uh my mind definitely got callous last night <laughs> i had hmm. a brother brother caleb smith and he sent me a text and he said i'm gonna go die today and he, he was gonna he was gonna go in full gear, you know, mask on and push himself for the recommended thirty minute or less cap. And in the past, we've we've done that, but it was just for completion. So we wanted to just complete it. See, and that alone is a feat. And but he said, no, I'm going. I'm gunning for thirty. And I said, all right, brother, I'm gonna die with you then. And I'll be damned if I didn't. And it it's it's hell. It there is times where I laid out like a starfish and I said, what are you doing? You need to get up. And I got up. And then after the sequence of 30, I, from the previous, whatever you want to call it, but my legs are just absolutely shot. I don't know if it's from the up downs and mountain climbers or all the above, but I was just, my legs are physically shot. I said, well, you're not going to quit this thing, but if you're not there yet, do what you can to complete it right now where you're at today. And I took my, my mask helmet and pack off and I finished it. And then there, even through the rest of the, the workout, there were times where as I'm just trying to gather my breath just enough to continue the next evolution, 
I'm sitting thinking, Snow, you're in your driveway. Your your family's inside in the AC, loving life, and you're out here. What are you doing? You're crazy. And I just kind of smiled and said, well, maybe you are crazy, but this is where you build yourself. And I just – I kept pushing. And so it – that's, I think, is my understanding of the the mental hardness. And so now I know where I'm at going in for the 30-minute mark, and now I have something to build off of and to continue to work on. I learned that my legs are not near as strong as I thought, so I need to get those up and so to say. And it was you're going to learn every time from it. But Mm -hmm. the biggest thing I learned is that I didn't quit. And that's where you really find yourself. Because I wanted to. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) I've I've done this a few times now, and there's something about that halfway mark. You you just want to you want to stop it, but you learn not to, and that's where you grow. It's in those moments. I couldn't agree more, man. And even if you just last, you know, one more round, you get you get past the twenty next time, and you kept all your gear on and you took it off for the ten. That's a win. Yes. You know what I mean, and. Maybe it's just one more rep the next time and you keep building yourself up. That's how you build the mental resiliency. When, when, when your body and your mind is, are screaming to rip that gear off, you push through. Now, not, not telling anybody to, to do anything that is going to hurt them ultimately, but you know, you got to know your own limits, but yeah. when, when you know that you have more and that it's really just your mind telling you that you don't, but you know, and the Goggins is 40, 40% rule. When your yeah. mind's telling you that you're done, you, you, you've had enough, you really, you're only at 40% of your actual max. I had to remind myself that yesterday, and uh, I pulled into his cookie jar analogy, so mm-hmm. to say, too. Mm-hmm. And that, that really does help. You've got to remind yourself in those times what you have overcome, that you could overcome this. And it's Absolutely. just one more rep. Yeah. Devin Craig preaches it a lot. I know there's – and it's – Always forward, always moving. Just move. Yeah. Just yeah. don't stay put. Because that's what got me last night, too. There's times where I wasn't moving, and that break felt so relieving, and it started almost overwhelming. I said, no, <laughs> this ain't happening right now. So, yeah, it was just, it was just like you said, a simple workout, but it is not easy. And that's, that's the Absolutely. beauty of it. So what are these six-day classes, you know, like the divers – What's different with that in this 48-hour Georgia Flames program? Because it's I hear it's just as mentally and physically challenging with great skill development and mentality. So can you shed on that? Because you went through the Flames program too, correct? I did, yeah. I went through Flames as well. And Flames is, um, Flames is one of those classes, man. He, you know, first off, the cadre, um, they pay for the entire class for you but you're you're you show up and uh they they the class is free number Mm -hmm. one but you will never meet a group of cadre that are more uh into um giving you an experience that you'll never have before and that are more there for you the entire class and process than you will experience in that class Uh, I've, i've never experienced the the camaraderie and brotherhood like I did in that class and uh, the PT and everything. That's it's, it's no joke. You know, a lot of guys show up and not knowing what to expect and it will surprise you. Um, You know, if you think that this class is going to be something easy that, Oh, we're just going back to the basics with that. 
it's not true. Uh, this, this class is is legit. Um, and I had an amazing experience there, and um, it uh, it it was one of those things where they they do they do go back to the basics, and you will you will have to perfect those basics and already have them perfected before you get there. You'll be expected to be able to, to hoist tools to the third floor and uh, throw ladders and do a search properly, do a writ scenario properly, things like that. Like those, those basics that we neglect so much that are the foundation of what you should have already perfected, getting in your gear with in under a minute. You'd be surprised at how many guys can't get in their gear in under two minutes now. Yeah. You know, it's something that you just don't do since standards. You kind of take it for granted. And same goes for throwing ladders. I, <clears throat> you know, you get a guy that hasn't thrown a ladder since uh, fire standards and ends up wearing it like a sombrero. You know, it's mm. it's one of those things where if you don't if you don't stay up on the skills they will show themselves in that class. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's the whole flames thing is it goes on that 48 hour uh, of being up all night. You could work, you could totally work a, a, a 48 hour shift. You know, mm -hmm. you, you got, you got mandatory overtime and you're at the busiest house in the city and you absolutely have no sleep the entire 48 hours. And it could be scenario after scenario after scenario. And what this class does for you is teaches you that you can be standing there at the 36 hour mark in the middle of the night and still be able to function and do everything that they request of you and, and, and work like you are fresh first thing in the morning. Absolutely. We never know what's coming down the pipeline, man. So Absolutely. if you don't prepare for that, you're, you're behind the ball. And it's, not it, fair to it's, it's an important lesson for life too, yeah. with your family and everything that you can take anything. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. You know, we got seven days until they open up and Lord willing, I get accepted. So I, I do want to experience that this year and that's my wife's awesome, already man. on board with it. So we're, we're shooting for it. I got a couple other brothers that said the same. So hopefully we all, get to go through that class and program together because that would be an unforgettable moment all on its own too. I'll but uh, awesome, man. I, like I said, I, I hope it's, it's definitely an inspiration or aspiration of mine. So I think this is a, a great time now that we've understanded a lot of the mental and physical toughness, not necessarily for this, these courses in preparation for you and your career that will honestly overall benefit your life too, man. But, uh, that's to me. You're the definition. I know you are pretty comfortable in saying that's pretty accurate. You know, I know you live it, you breathe it. And even, even once told me, I'm gonna quote you here on this: that uh, it's my hobby. I don't fish. I don't hike mountains. I don't run marathons. These classes are my mountains. They are my marathons. You know, I'm, I'm a professional smoke diver. And to hear that quote tells me how much that truly does mean to you. And how yeah. much that you embrace everything that comes with these programs and you bring that into your daily life. I just want to ask, how did this come about? And, you know, what made you say that this is the way for Matt McGee? 
Yeah, that's funny, but uh, that's that's just what I do. I don't I don't have a lot of hobbies. I, know mm-hmm. I don't go fishing. Uh, we do hike, um, but I don't do marathons, Ironmans, and there's nothing wrong with those. Are all, all great hobbies. Right. I just I'm more of a contact sport kind of guy, and for me, firefighting is a contact sport in my in my uh, view. Yes. Um, but uh, I just look at challenges like smoke diver. Uh, as the smoke diver programs to fulfill that desire to set a goal and train for something. Um, It gives me something to work towards. It takes six to 12 months to train for a class like that. So you can already see I, by just by the sheer amount of time and energy you invest in something like this, I don't have really have time outside of spending time with my family to do other things like fishing and, (laughs) you know, hiking and all that other stuff that, you know, a lot of other people enjoy, but, um, that's just what I enjoy. I enjoy the grind. I enjoy, I enjoy, uh, the pain and, uh, sacrifice of making myself better in that gear. Um, and yeah, I said it in jest, you know, that I'm a professional firefighter, but it really, it really is a professional smoke diver, but it really is who I have become and what I am. Uh, that I respect that full heartedly, man. And to your point with the gears, there's I have yet to find or hear anyone else find a a safe cancer free replica, so to say. I'm not necessarily trying to go that route with all this, but there's nothing right. like being in your gear period. And when your when your faith is and touching back on what you said earlier that you know whenever your time is called you know right where you're going we don't know how we're gonna die we really don't we don't know how we're gonna get called up to heaven if, if he's in our hearts and i've joked with my close brothers and so it's probably gonna be something dumb like a, a bee sting that i have a massive allergic reaction to and i asphyxiate from yeah that's probably gonna be something that's gonna take me out of this world with everything i've done and right. so we just we don't know and so if, if you don't really get into that that gear and understand how your body works and the way it it fits you, and even for the, the course of classic, but just doing a, a simple up-down in gear with that pack bumping your the back of your helmet, there's there's nothing that can really replicate any of that. No. You know, and so I just – I don't think there's any other way to really prepare for the fire ground than being what you would wear in the fire ground. And yeah. if you don't prepare accordingly, how do you – expect to perform accordingly when it's time you know even for the slow house guys that oh well, we never we never catch catch those calls well i think you're screwing up by saying that statement alone right there because it could happen the second you just drop that out of your mouth and now you're not Absolutely. prepared for it so, yeah I, th- I think that's a an awesome way to get into question six here man because we've talked about this quite a bit and uh the the lone grinders as i'll i'll dub them you know for whatever reason maybe Maybe their crew's not into it, or maybe they dabble with it. But you're going to get yours either on or off shifts. You know what? Mm-hmm. What are some pros and cons with that? That may be able to help others who just who grind alone, whether they don't have the crew buy-in or whatever the case may be. But they're still out there getting it in on their own. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, I would say that probably ninety-five percent of my training for for anything smoke diver whatever is just 
uh, done alone. There, there is a lot of mental toughness gained from that. I used to find myself needing someone there to push me, uh, or I wouldn't train or wouldn't train hard or wouldn't train at all for that matter, because I was so dependent on them to make me better or give me some kind of, uh, motivation. And I just got sick of it one day after missing workouts for a week because my workout partners were out of town. So I decided I wouldn't rely on, on anyone anymore, but myself and, uh, to get it done and to be ready. And it wasn't up to anyone to make me train for it. It was just up to me. And the moment, the moment you put your success or failure in someone else's hands, you've already failed yourself. Mm. Um, there's satisfaction in knowing no one else has helped create who you are or mm. what you've done. And I took that approach to everything I've done, you know, with the smoke diver programs, flames, everything. Um, that's, that was uh, my main focus was just being, and and I have I added some other things into it, like uh, the the slower music that we talked about before you and I have talked about, where uh, I I noticed over over time that I was listening to heavy metal and it was my heart rate was extremely high, mm-hmm. and then when I wouldn't listen to music, my heart rate was thirty maybe forty beats lower at the mm-hmm. most extreme level of work. So over time. I decided that if I was going to listen to anything at all, it was going to be slower paced music, but I was mm-hmm. going to push just as hard. And um, I found over time that I was pushing extremely hard. My heart rate was 20, 30, sometimes 40 beats lower per minute than it was when I was listening to music that got my adrenaline going, got my heart rate up. Um, and what I found over time was that I was, uh, going on scenes and I still had the heart rate monitor on, I would wear it for the, the entire shift, the heart rate monitor, just to track this. And nice. I found that I was more calm and collected and my heart rate was lower, but I was working just as hard as anybody else. If, you know, and so I implemented that into my, my training. Um, and these are all things that I just, I've learned along the way. Like I'm not, I know I'm not better than anybody else. Anybody that knows me knows I don't like the spotlight. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So I was told that with you agreeing to this. I was like, man, how'd you get him? I said, Hey, I just asked him and he's willing to share. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's one of those things, man. I go dark, you know, I just, I don't, I don't post a lot of workouts. I just people, but you know, people that want to join, I, I bring them into the circle. You know, nice. and if they want to be there, they can be there. If not, it's not a big deal to me. Right. No, I definitely respect that. And to your point on the, the slower music, man, there for a while I was. I, I love my metal. Don't get me wrong. But I'm learning that I don't want my heart rate already ramped up before exactly. I get it ramped up. And that you posted a video in our facebook group that really encompasses all of this you know just that mental resiliency through physical discomfort and you had this like chill reggae vibe background music to (laughs) the workout you recently did i was like man who is that and now i've been you know jamming the movement quite a bit between that and just you know call it what it is but i I really enjoy just cherokee native music 
as well yeah. to this. And it's just that it's calming. And even last night I was jamming my Cherokee music soundtrack, pushing myself through hell. And when my ears were just pounding because of my heart rate, I was listening to that and it just, it helped soothe me as weird as that is. I didn't even think it was, but it just helped. And it's all right. I gathered my bearings and let's push through this. So I can firsthand agree to what you're saying with that slower music. I've really I mean, helped you out. I really think there's something to it. And you know, also just not listening to anything, just your own thoughts. Yes. That's, that's huge too. You know, that's what I do on my dog. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good time. Um, that's that's also huge. Just just you know, sitting, marinating in your own thoughts and redirecting every thought to your your goal. And one thing that I that I, I repeat in my head over and over when I know I'm reaching my limit is raise your standard. I repeat that over and over again. Raise your standard, because what is the standard? Yeah, I mean it's it's also what you what you make of it. If that's a rhetorical question. But uh, mm-hmm. it's really what you make of it. Yeah, that's, that's that's why I love asking that question at the end of all these episodes with my guests because everyone's got an awesome spin on it, and yeah. it's not really the same. There's a similar theme, but there's so many different take. That's I love that question. I'm excited to hear right, it. We'll when dive we get into here. that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. definitely, man. And uh, you know, when you when you took this approach to Florida and Indiana Smoke Dyers and the Georgia Flames. You also told me that you can't neglect the small stuff because when you do, it leads to errors and bad judgments on the fire ground. And uh, can you can you elaborate a little more on that? Um, I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? Yeah, no problem. So you said no that problem. through the through the grinding alone and preparing for this stuff, and you know, getting yourself hard mentally and physically, you brought that to the the programs that you've attended and continue to attend. Mm-hmm. And you told me that you can't neglect the small stuff because when you do, it leads to errors and bad judgments on the fire ground. I was just yeah. hoping maybe you can uh, elaborate a little on that. Yeah. So just, just the basic stuff, you know, like being able to get in your gear in under two minutes, you know, the being able to get in your gear in under a minute and knowing that you can do that is a factor that now you don't have to worry about. You don't have to get your heart rate up. You don't have to run to the truck now and beat everybody there because you're worried about getting in your gear. You know, uh, we should, we should get to the truck in a hurry. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but you know what I'm saying is, is that you don't have that in the back of your mind. Like, Oh man, I got to be ahead of my Lieutenant getting dressed or, you know, some departments, they don't let you get dressed in the truck on the way to a call. But, uh, you know, being being dressed and getting and knowing that you can do that in under a minute is, is one less thing you got to worry about. Uh, it's sure. not going to get your heart rate up. You're you're already cool, calm, and collected on the way to the call. You know, it's little things like that. Uh, being able to hoist tools to the third floor properly. You know, mm-hmm. when will we ever have to do that? Who knows? But, but you might. You but you you might exactly. And you know, in the back of your mind that now you've you've got that task that you haven't done since, uh, you know, 18 years ago in fire school. Now I know I can get that tool safely up here and not drop it on everybody's head. Right. You know, that type of thing. Absolutely. And that, I think that's a great, 
great way to start into this next question I got for you, my man, is uh, what advice do you have for the rookie? Because that touches on the basics, you know? So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would say always be the hardest worker in the room. You gain a reputation very fast in the fire service. That's just the way it is. Um, show up early. If uh, like my first department when I was the rookie, if the uh, when the offcoming crew was was out washing the rig in the morning because they washed the rig for the next crew coming in, uh, I would grab a brush and a chamois and help out. And you know, like it's little things like that that uh, give you a good reputation and buy-in from the other crews and your crew. People are always watching, you know. Uh, yes, is this guy really who he says he is? Um, when you're walking through the bay and you see a piece of trash on the ground, do you look around to see if anybody's watching or do you stop and pick it up and throw it away without the expectation of praise or acknowledgement? That creates a pride and ownership in yourself, first of all, uh, which is crucial to you and also crucial uh, for crews, I think, to teach their rookies. But also, if you have the mentality that someone is always watching you and you do the right thing, then you can't go wrong. Not at respect, all. Respect is earned, not given. If you think you're free, uh, if you think it's free, then you live in a fantasy land with rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> it's, it, really starts with, it really starts with the crews of these rookies and just being intentional as mentors and leaders for them. Um, I couldn't agree more, man. And I like what you said about if you believe that everyone's always watching you, that should help you. And I kind of correlate that back to my faith because we're told that, you know, God, Jesus, and a heavenly host of angels is always watching us. You know, yeah. and when you have that mind frame, do you want to disappoint where you're about to go for eternity? Let alone, do you want to disappoint those in your immediate circle of life that you have an impact on? Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome, man. And then, uh, it's almost like being intentional. You know, you Absolutely. you make that an intentional act, and before you know it, it just becomes muscle memory, second nature. So, you know, what what does intentional mean to you, Matt? And what are some areas of your life that you are intentional on? Intentional is, it's a very subjective word. You know, it's, uh, I prefer to use in, intentionally present. Um, I like that. You know, because, you know, by definition, being intentional is being deliberate in your actions towards others and yourself, towards yourself. Mm-hmm. But being intentional with your family, when you walk through the door after a long shift and rolling around on the floor with your kids because it's the first thing they ask you to do when you when they saw you that that's being intentionally present going deeper into that it's easy to be tired and get lost in your own thoughts after a long shift and forget about all those around you who are looking to you for your undivided attention uh, it takes a lot of discipline you know in the beginning to develop that i still struggle with that sometimes and i can be and, guilty too yeah we all can yeah. Um, but which, you know, makes me realize I need to get off my phone, you know, as much as I've been on it lately. But, uh, but what I'm trying to say is that, um, distractions are everywhere. So being intentionally present, um, takes practice. Yes, it's not man. easy and you'll slip up, 
Um, but uh, when you catch yourself drifting off in your thoughts or in your phone, stop and look up at the faces staring back at you and be intentional with them. Yeah, I love that. And that's a new question I'm starting to ask. And that, that came from Nate Sturm in our, our Bible study group we're a part of because uh, we really started to touch on that question a lot. And I was like, you know, I want to hear where others are bringing to their awareness. Being intentional on or do you need that kind of wake up call, lack of better terms, that, hey, I need to be a little more intentional on some things. So yeah. I think that's, I think it's pivotal in life, man. You have to be intentional. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. So, really, you working on any goals here currently, or what you got in mind? Yeah. Uh, well, recently just finished my degree up, which was a big goal of mine. Um, I was a, a couple of classes short on my A degree, uh, so okay. I was on that 20-year plan for sure, no joke. Uh, but uh, I got it done, and now I'm focused on the next attendance exam. Um, All right. Other than that, I'd love to get my wife's blessing for me to go to Georgia Smoke Diver in November. She's uh, <laughs> she's she's the fire chief of our house. That that's for sure. <laughs> she she handles so much with our kids and running around, you know, making a successful home. And I have to give her the input on making a decision like that. You know, even though I've figured out how to do most of the training for it at times when they are asleep, you know, early hours in the morning, or I'm at work where it won't interrupt our time together. It's a huge commitment on her part and I don't take it lightly and neither does she. Uh, I'm glad you said that because my wife will appreciate that when she hears this because she's the same man. She does run the house. Yeah. I've yeah. told her, I said, babe, I just, I bring the money home and you make it go where it needs to go and you keep this <laughs> up and running in phenomenal shape when I'm gone, you know, and I, it, going back to being intentional, I need to be intentional, more intentional on how can I help you? instead of just waiting for her to ask me for help, you know, yeah, just different things like that. And I love it. And uh, to your point, I actually find myself grinding hard. And here recently, I just started to get the discipline of getting up early and getting in while they're still sleeping. And that does help out quite a bit. And nap times, nap times are a big time for me too to go ahead and knock it out. And you know, when, when the youngsters are in bed, it's a lot easier to get another one in if I miss one of the other two opportunities. So there's ways. It's just getting that discipline of, okay, well, now's the time to get it. Let's get it. So I agree with exactly what you're saying there, man. Matt, this has been an awesome conversation all the way around. I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. I enjoy any chance I can just to talk and learn from you and to help encourage you with what you're doing. But, uh, like we talked about, I like to end episodes on, you know, setting the standard. And anyone that's been following this rogue tailboard platform, they're well aware of what it means to me. But I love hearing, like I said earlier, what it means to everyone else. So I'd like to ask you, Matt, what does setting the standard mean to you? Well, first of all, I really love what you're doing with the, the Uncommon Fireman uh, page and everything that you're doing with it. And I'm, I'm a big supporter of it. And uh, I'm glad that for this friendship we've struck up because of it uh and Me too, many man. others that i'm that i'm starting to establish because of it um I'd, I'd have to say that setting a standard for yourself is crucial to the success of your actions on the fire ground 
it's uh, mm. and and in life too. I mean, we, we keep going back to that, but can't just talk about fire. It really is. Right. It's it's all about setting yourself up for success in life, and setting the standard is a constantly evolving animal in itself. Mm-hmm. Your dedication to your fitness, your skills on the fire, your fireground skills, your skills as a father, as a friend, as a man. There, you're constantly raising where your bar, quote unquote, is set, yes. uh, and it will directly correlate with all those other aspects in your life. Um, I have a phrase that I was saying that I, I repeat over my head, re- or repeat in my head, over and over again when I've hit my wall on things, and that's raise your standard. And I hit that wall even in life on certain things where I think, man, this this sucks. Like, where do I go from here? And it's like man, raise your standard, suck it up. Let's go figure it out. Um, and it's, it's because if you are constantly just meeting the same standard, you never are reaching for anything higher and you become plateaued and stagnant. Uh, that's just my own experience. Again, you know, I'm not telling anybody what to do. This is just my own experience. And I don't, I don't care if like we talked about before, if all you get is five more reps, this time it's progress yes. next time try and get five more on top of that last five it grows over time it's exp- exponentially it grows and that's setting a standard for yourself which directly affects everyone around you and that's observing your growth as an individual and it affects them too man i love that brother and the fact that you tell yourself that when you hit those walls or you need that reminder is awesome of that that just that buying you have towards it one thing i tell myself i've I've shared this with a few too is they need you you know and whether at that specific moment if you know i'm hitting a wall in my workout and i'm wanting to give up you know they need you as in the citizens your crew they need you and then Mm -hmm. your family needs you and then you need you so that's a little thing i'm mentally wanting to quit is it's not about you and that that's what makes me yeah. go a little, little harder to just complete whatever it is I'm at is that they need you. I love that, man. Absolutely. That's, that's awesome insight, man. Thank so, you. Brother, is there, is there anyone you want to just kind of give thanks to or a little word of praise or recognition? Like, so this is your episode. Um, all my <laughs> other guests have said they've got long lists, but I, I love to give them the opportunity to just, you know, show recognition and accolades to who they feel they want to, if they desire yeah, I, I mean everybody along the way that I've that I've met, and I would I, I would be uh, I know I would miss a few if I if I had to name them all. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, uh, Basil's been a huge um, aspect in my training and uh, helped me set that first goal. So I mean that to me, uh, you know that that's something that uh, I can't replace um, that friendship and. Um, you know, the, the guys at the Smoke Diver Program, they they also helped with that, the Florida Smoke Diver Program, that is. And uh, Don Sapp is another one that's been there for me, a big a big part of my life. Um, Logan Broberg, uh, if it weren't for him, Broberg. I would have met you. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, a, he's a great guy, man. And um, my, uh, my brother-in-law, David Duramo, works for City of Kissimmee down here, fire department. He's a huge part of my life. Uh, and uh, just my family and my my wife, you know, everybody that's that takes time to invest in me, I appreciate you. Yeah, 
That's awesome. I love that Logan guy, man. Uh, we, I'm glad I got. I'm glad I got to know all you guys. It's it's just a great group of people, man. And going back to your comment about the uncommon fireman group, dude, I really thought it was gonna be corny. I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, man, no one's gonna take this seriously. And then everyone just really bought into it and embraced it and really live up to it. And I think I find myself looking at that more than I do any other kind of social media feed. To be honest with you, man, just yeah. you know what. What good nuggets of self growth can I get today from a like minded group of brothers? And it's just yeah. incredible to see happen, man. So, thank you. Well, for I mean, it's one of those things that. where you, you sometimes you don't know what you don't know until it's put in front of you, and you don't know how guys are training for working out. You don't know what what things they're training on until you see it. And yes. that's to have a forum like that. It's priceless. No oh, man, it's. Y'all are y'all are making it what it is, man. I, I've said many times, I'm just the crazy one with the ideas, and if God yeah. approves of it, He'll give it the green light and it'll flourish. If not, it wasn't meant to be, kind of thing. Can't lose that way. No, you can't. No, you can't, man. Everybody, this has been awesome. I know we both got football teams to attend to. I just really appreciate <laughs> you hopping on, man, and uh, just sharing your story for us. It's it's an incredible one, man. I'm, I'm really rooting for you, and I'm really proud of everything you've accomplished and are going to accomplish. I'll tell you that much. Same for you. Same for you and everybody else. And if anybody has any questions, if I can help anyway, feel free to, to message me on Facebook or uh, however you want to get in contact with me. And I'm always willing to help anybody that's willing to help themselves. There it is, folks. The invite is out there. Take advantage of it. So. Brother, thanks again, man. And thank you guys for tuning in and listening to this. I really hope you enjoyed it like I did. And, uh, Matt, be safe out there, brother. All right, you too. All right, see you, man.